in shambles. Bill Gates already mapping out the next pandemic. The medical profession by law prevented from telling patients the truth. How do we survive this? Well, we the people stand up and stop taking it. We win at the ballot box and we do that by getting the truth out into public ears. TNN, the Truth News Network. And your warrior at the gate is Dan Newman. Yeah, it's up to us, Pete. We have got to make the decisions ourselves and make sure we put the right people in office to represent us and our ideals and the things that we want and the things we don't want. The only way we can do this is if we, the people, stand up at election time. That's what we've got to do. Now, between elections, we've got to investigate. We've got to find things. We've got to find information out about all of the stuff going on, the real information, not just the drivel that they throw out into the marketplace for us and expect us to swallow hook, line, and sinker. To that end, let me tell you what's in store this morning. We are chock full of very important stuff. John Ratcliffe, you'll hear from him. He's the former Department of National Intelligence under Donald Trump. And uh, he's going to weigh in about all of the allegations coming from this administration about the balloons, the Chinese balloons. Oh, they were all over the Trump administration. Nobody in the administration, the Trump administration, and by the way, many of those did not really care for the president. There's no evidence whatsoever. It's just a ploy by the Biden administration to try to cover up their feckless lack of reaction to this. Ratcliffe's going to be on to tell us about that. And guess what else happened overnight? They found some documents, some Biden documents, some new Biden documents at the University of Delaware. They found. The FBI found them. Also, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky You're going to hear her testifying before a Senate panel in the Congress regarding two-year-old masking mandates. I didn't even know they existed. And then, of course, the horror show that's playing out in Ohio and East Palestine. You're going to hear from Tucker Carlson on that. In fact, you're going to hear from Tucker first in just a moment. And then, by the way, President Biden's little brother, you know, the facilitator or maybe the co-facilitary of all the funding for the Biden family syndicate, he just happened to get a $100 million plus contract from the Saudis. Oh my gosh, there's a lot of stuff coming out. And you and I, we're going to have fun, folks. We are going to have a fun day. I'm looking forward to it. One of my favorite groups... Rock steady.
obviously a live song. That's Tim Aker in the Smoking Sections, the name of the group. They're a local band in Nashville. What it is, it's probably the greatest collection of amazing musicians playing every instrument you can imagine. You heard it all there. And they always put stuff together and they back up famous groups. You've heard them all over. Pretty much everything you're listening to from a a big rock rock show, uh, also Nashville Talents, Tim Akers and the uh, smoking section or behind those songs that you're listening to. They're really good. And that singer, she may not be as good as Aretha Franklin was on that song, but if not, she's very, very close. And she is a little bitty thing. I bet she doesn't weigh 100 pounds. But boy, she can belt it out. So why don't we get right down to business? Let's do it. Guess what came out yesterday? The FBI twice has searched the University of Delaware in the last couple of weeks for classified documents stashed by Joe Biden there. Though the material retrieved by the FBI reportedly wasn't classified or at least marked classified, they reportedly did take certain materials with them. And here's a quote from CNN of all places. Investigators retrieved materials from two university locations on two different days. The material didn't appear to have classified markings, according to the source, remember CNN report. But they are now being reviewed by the FBI. Now, what does that mean to you? Let me tell you what it means to me. The CNN machine is nothing but a mouthpiece for the Biden administration. Let me just give you a little truth here. If there was nothing the FBI was looking for, which was only classified documents, they wouldn't have taken them. And of course, they're soft-pedaling it now. That report, that source that CNN, they, uh, they gave us the source of the information. I guarantee you the source is somebody in the Biden administration and they're just slow playing it. We're going to find out. There are classified documents there. Even the fact that the FBI did search the University of Delaware is notable. According to a GOA analysis, the University of Delaware got more than $6.7 million from anonymous donors from China after Joe Biden started sending his stuff there. The donors include direct funds from the Chinese government. University of Delaware is the second institution where searches have occurred for statues of Biden's classified documents. Classified documents, remember, found at the Penn-Biden Center on the University of Pennsylvania campus, which has also received millions in anonymous donations from China. And that treasure trove of docs were found on November 2nd. The DOJ initially opened an investigation into that scandal January 12th, just after the scandal was leaked to the press on January 9th. Here's the deal, folks. They wouldn't have opened an investigation. They didn't come forward, as the Biden White House said publicly over and over again, 
we notified the FBI that we found these. That's a lie. That's a lie. The FBI went there looking for them because of a news story that was released giving all the goods to the press and the media and the American people. There's a lot of stuff like this floating around today that we're going to be talking about. If you joined us late, I told you we've got information we're going to discuss today from John Ratcliffe, former DNI director under Trump, about Biden's balloon gate. And then the CDC director, Rochelle Walensky, you're not going to believe it. She was in Congress yesterday testifying about mask mandates for two-year-olds. And that horror up in Ohio, East Palestine, that major train wreck, and they've slow played it. And guess what? That would fall under the purview of the United States Department of Transportation. And who's the guru at the Department of Transportation? Mayor Pete, Pete Buttigieg. He hasn't even stuck his nose in Ohio at East Palestine to make sure everything's being taken care of there. And then Joe Biden's little brother gets a whomping $100 million plus contract from Saudi Arabia. Implicated in it looks like big brother, the big guy, Joe Biden. Where do we get started this morning? Why don't we do this? John Ratcliffe, former director of national intelligence under Donald Trump as president, a straight shooter. He was a really, really good guy, and he'll pop back up in whatever the next administration's going to look like, because the way it looks, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a Republican in the White House. John Ratcliffe will be back there. And he weighed in with Sean Hannity about this balloon gate thing that probably is still going on. Of course, we don't know, but probably it's still going on. And of course, as we said at the top of the show, the Biden administration, what do they do? They point fingers at the Trump administration saying, oh, this was going on in the Trump administration. This not this isn't a new deal. And everybody that was in positions of information on regarding that in the Trump administration, every single one has come out and said, there was nothing there. Listen to Sean Hannity and John Radcliffe. You have been unequivocal. Uh, there is nobody, no top-ranking national security official that knows any breach of any airspace at all during the Trump era. You've heard from all of them, Sean. They've come on one uh, one after another. We've all denied it. And that's why you see the Biden administration, you know, trotting out one alibi after another. This is the, you know, um, uh, cleanup on aisle nine that we see after every one of their national security disasters. And there have been a lot where it's, well, let's blame Trump or, or say that the Trump administration did it too. And in this case, Sean, it falls apart from the beginning, as you correctly pointed out. Your viewers know they didn't learn about the Chinese spy balloon from the Biden administration. They didn't learn about it uh, from NORAD. They didn't learn about it from the Department of Defense. They learned about it from two guys standing in a parking lot. The first guy saw it with the naked eye. The second guy took telephoto, uh, used a telephoto lens to take pictures that were published. Commercial airline pilots saw it. Thousands, maybe tens of thousands of Americans saw this thing with the naked eye uh, as it went from one end of the country to the other. 
And now what the Biden administration tells you today is this was happening during the Trump administration, but apparently objects that you could see clearly uh, in 2023 were there in the Trump years, but no one was able to see them. I mean, it's just absurd. The logic makes no sense. None of this holds up. The inescapable truth is, is as uh, Secretary Esper said, uh, this was an unprecedented national security breach and disaster. It was a, it was a national security bonanza for the, uh, for the Chinese Communist Party, and it was a disaster for our country in terms of what was uh, accomplished. And now even worse to hear some Democrats trying to spin this like it was a good thing or a coup. If it was a good thing, the logic, Sean, follows that uh, if it was a good thing and we were collecting intelligence on China, should we all be hoping that Vladimir Putin launches a spy balloon that'll cross the country next week and the mullahs in Iran will do one the week after? That would be great, wouldn't it? No. Again, the absurd logic that the Biden administration keeps applying you know, shows you why this national security team that he has around him, you know, failed you at our border, failed you in Afghanistan, failed you in deterring Putin uh, in Ukraine. And now they're trying to sell their tough on China. No one's buying it. All right. So but Biden is saying that the spy flight is not a major breach, uh, which is stunning to me. Um, the fact that they were told, as you rightly point out, by a, a guy that took a photo in Montana is, is pretty staggering to me. Doesn't that show that there is a vulnerability? Uh, you can fly something the size of three school buses above the United States, move it all around the place and, and it go undetected. Uh, wouldn't that open us up to a potential uh, bioweapons attack? an EMP attack, some kind of uh, even perhaps a nuclear attack. And then we have the NORAD commander telling us he's not ruling out aliens in the, it, or extraterrestrial beings. Uh, do you ever hear about extraterrestrial beings as director of national intelligence? <laughs> well, uh, you know, we do have unidentified aerial phenomenon. That's clearly not what anything here. These are slow moving, drifting, you know, uh, the numbers two, three, and four that, that have been shot down recently, they, for all we know, they may be sky trash. But the Chinese balloon, uh, spy balloon that we do know about, number one, was on a dedicated mission, and it was a major breach. Uh, and it's, it's inescapable, the damage uh, that was done to our national security. And you're seeing it, you're seeing China respond to it. I mean, first of all, you know, their the reaction to this was first to deny it, then to downplay it. Uh, then to demand it back, and then to accuse us of doing the same thing. And you talked about it, Sean. Now they're getting more aggressive with our, our allies and friends in the Indo-Pacific, with the Philippines, with Taiwan. Why wouldn't they? They've had, there's been no deterrence from this administration with respect to China, and I only see this getting worse. Well, we appreciate it, Director Ratcliffe. Uh, scary scenario. I think a vulnerability that I, I never thought would exist in our lifetime is, is right there hovering above our airspace. Uh, pretty scary. Think about that. You would think that a guy like Ratcliffe, who's got still very close inside ties to this administration, the people in similar positions in which he served, they didn't hear anything about it. None of the generals, none of the admirals, Nobody that was in the Trump administration has come forward and said, yeah, we had them. Facts don't matter to mainstream media. They're little more than the arm, the information arm of the Democrat Party. And they have come out in mass. Oh, yeah, they had them. We know they had them. They just didn't tell the American people about it like we did. It's horse hockey. 
So you know it was going to go upstream to Congress and there were going to be some folks in Congress that were going to get a little agitated about it. And one such person in Congress in the U.S. Senate, Louisiana Senator John Kennedy, he is uh, a spokesperson for these things and all things, and he has a way with explaining them. Dana, meantime, a classified briefing yesterday on those three unidentified objects that were shot down left senators from both sides of the aisle with more questions than answers. And that includes our next guest, Republican Senator John Kennedy of the great state of Louisiana. You were also briefed on the Chinese balloon as well. Did you get the answers that you were looking for? Some. Here, here's what I learned based on two briefings. There are unidentified objects and identified objects in terms of the unidentified objects. In the past 20 years, there have been over, over um, um, 100 of them, maybe even more. We're not, they're not sure. The intelligence agency thinks they might have missed some of them. And in fact, it's more than 100. I'm just recalling, John, it's almost 500. Uh, the, the intelligence community doesn't know who sent them, doesn't know who, uh, what they are. The only difference between now and then over the past 25 years or 20 years of these unidentified objects, we've started shooting them down. Now, the identified objects, um, Chinese spy balloons. Mm -hmm. China's been doing this for a while, at least for five years. Sometimes we have known when they were sending these balloons. Sometimes we haven't. In the most recent, recent instance, um, intelligence knew that the balloon was there. Um, I don't know this for a fact, but I get the impression that had a civilian not sighted the balloon and reported it to the media, that the Biden administration would have would not have said anything. The, and we were talking in the break. You thought that they might not have even told the president about it. That's entirely possible. I think the uh, the administration was caught flat-footed here. They had to respond to immediate rep media report. Mm -hmm. um, why does this matter? First, I don't think there's any immediate threat to the American people, but we do need, need to send a very firm signal to China that they can't do this kind of stuff and it, that we're going to catch them every single time. And, and in the past, it's, it's not that we didn't have the technology. It's that the, that the technology was not calibrated correctly. Our Jillian Turner reported a couple of weeks ago uh, when she was joining me on set here uh, that we knew a long time in advance that this thing was being filled. Uh, it was going to be launched from Hainan Island, and then we watched it track all the way across the Pacific Ocean. Now, the Washington Post just matched that reporting today. Mm -hmm. But if, as you say, the intelligence community had not said anything about this, let it float over the United States, would they have been able to prevent China from scooping up signals intelligence and taking all the pictures they wanted of sensitive sites? Good question. Uh, the intelligence community and the Biden administration have said that once the balloon entered uh, the American territory, it jammed the balloon's ability to relay information back to China. I know that we were flying U-2s up near it. Is and that how they, they jammed it? They, they jammed jam their from communication. The so presumably, um, they weren't immediately as worried about it as perhaps some think they should have been. So, so do you believe that our intelligence agencies were jamming transmissions from that balloon as it traversed the United States I the believe they way? say they were. 
I don't know how, um, and I don't know how they judge success in, in, in that allegation. I do know this, though. As, as, as they say, the cow is now out of the barn. Mm-hmm. I think the president, uh, this administration has a tendency to ignore problems and ignore issues. Um, I give you the border. Yeah. It tends to say, look, you know, while I really admire the problem, I don't want to talk about a solution. I think at this juncture, the, the, the president needs to talk straight up to the American people. We'll see if he comes out. Um, one question for you, because the uh, same thing happens in Louisiana. This happens in Ohio. Lots of trains running back and forth across the state that are carrying toxic materials. You're just one axle-bearing seizure away from having the sort yeah. of derailment that they had in East Palestine. What do you think of how the federal government has been handling this? And, and should the Secretary of Transportation be out there talking to folks? Well, this is why God made pipelines. They're much safer than trucks or trains. Now, I understand this particular chemical uh, could, could not have been transported by a pipeline. Um, but, but all you can do is require the truckers and require the railroads to be as safe as they possibly can. But when you can, do it through a pipeline. Mm. Much safer. And, and I regret the fact that, that uh, the Biden administration seems to, to, to look, look askance at all pipelines, perhaps because of their connection to chemicals and natural gas. Senator, I know you got hearings this morning to get to. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, I really John. appreciate it. I was Senator John Kennedy yesterday, and he made it very clear. Here, listen, they're not giving us all the facts. They're giving us, quote-unquote, facts, but they're really not facts in many cases. It's what they want us to hear, and, of course, they want us to hear it so we'll believe it. Y'all just, y'all go do what it is you do every day, Americans. We've got this. We're the United States government, and I'm Joe Biden. We're taking care of everything. All you need to do is go work hard and send us some more money that we can spend. I know that may sound ugly, but even if that's not actually how it operates, in great large part, it is how they operate. Don't worry about anything. Don't talk about anything that may be bad. Don't ever act like you don't have an answer, that you don't know something. Just always gloss over it and make the American people feel good about it. Well, I'm going to tell you some Americans don't feel too good about circumstances in their lives right now, and that's all those folks that live on the Ohio Pennsylvania border in East Palestine. It is horrible. And yet today, here we are, that happened on the night of February 3rd, 13 days. No Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, in East Palestine. You're going to hear something that kind of sounds horrible and it'll make you feel bad. Tucker Carlson's up next with an analysis of what's going on in East Palestine. Sit tight. Hi, this is Jack, founder of Jack in the Box. Is the caller there? Mr. Box, Douglas Gompertz from Burger Week magazine. Oh, hey, Doug. Doug's a respected fast food critic. I recently dined on your sourdough Jack combo. And? Perfection. The cheese, the jumbo patty, the golden sourdough bread, the French fries. Bravo. Well, thank you. However... I found the dessert a bit dry. It doesn't come with dessert. The candy. The white, round candy with the happy face. Was it wearing a scarf? Yes, I believe it was. Rosy cheeks? Fuzzy earmuffs? Yes, that's it. Douglas, 
you ate a holiday ball. <gasps> We're giving one away free to customers who buy a sourdough jack combo. But they're not for dessert. They're for antennas. Or a pencil. Right. Well, that's going to improve your score dramatically. Excellent. Howdy. The streamer here. You know, there's a place down yonder where three streams converge into one. It's where I saw the Mandalorian get himself into a space squabble. Watch me some UFC. And those folks from Modern Family had me cackling like a trout getting tickled. Well, that's a Disney bundle for you. It lets you stream Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus for only $13.99 a month. The Disney bundle. It's streaming at its best. Equals Hulu ad-supported plan. Access content from each service separately. Terms apply. Visit the DisneyBundle.com for details. Little Caesar's Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring $6.49 in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just $6.49. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a swing. <sighs> ah! Bob? Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. Guardian of the Truth, Knight of the Republic, Speaker of the Facts, Dan Newman on TNN, the Truth News Network. Oh my gosh. That's a cool sound, isn't it? Relaxing. Mellow out. Well, you can't do that till the weekend. You got to get to it. Thank you for joining us today and every day at TNN Live. And don't forget, Anytime you miss any of this, make sure you come back and check in. How do you check in? Lots of ways to do it. You can always go to your favorite podcast site, and I'm talking about places like uh, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn. Now, even Amazon Music is carrying TNN Live. You can go back and get it that way always, or you can go to our website, about 10 minutes after the show is over every day at truthnewsnet.org, a story will pop up and it'll be headed TNN Live and whatever day and date that one was done. And you can click on a link down at the bottom of that and actually listen to the entire show or download it. Wait till you're going to be in the car for a little more than uh, you normally are and you can listen to it that way. Get it anytime. Always go back to www.truthnewsnet.org. You can get all the information pretty much about everything we do here. And everything we do here is to find facts, things that are important to you. Because you're the heart of the nation. You are part of we the people. And that's a really big deal. I know you agree. It is a really big deal. We, the people, are the ones that are supposed to have ownership of the United States and the United States government that's supposed to be government of the people, by the people, and for the people. I used to be that way. (laughs) 
Not so much anymore. That's when the term the swamp was invented to use in the description of Washington, D.C. It is a swamp, and what is all over swamps everywhere? Alligators. Some cases, crocodiles. Bad stuff. And if you live in South Louisiana, an alligator gar. If you've never seen an alligator gar, just do Google it. Go just sometime do a search. They are ferocious. They don't even look like fish. They look like dinosaur leftovers. And they're all over South Louisiana. Well, well, well. We got so many things here today. There's just so much going on. Um, We told you about the FBI very secretly checking out all that treasure trove of documents from former senator, former vice president, and of course now President Joe Biden. And they found some stuff that uh, they haven't told us yet what it is. But CNN got a report, and of course they told us, oh, there's nothing there. But there's other stuff that's going on. Little brother, James Biden. The revelation that James Biden secretly negotiated a $140 million deal back in 2012 between a U.S. company and the Saudi Arabian government because of his relationship with then-Vice President Joe Biden. That information just suddenly appeared. One more instance of the Biden family syndicate peddling influence while President Joe Biden was Vice President Joe Biden. House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer already has copies of the court documents and is investigating the scandal as part of his probe into the Biden family syndicate for nine violations. Nine violations. Now, what might number among those nine violations of the Biden family syndicate? Well, things like wire fraud, tax evasion, and money laundering. So what's this all about? Well, back in 2011, upon the Saudis' refusal to pay $140 million to the U.S. construction company Hill International, James Biden, because he's an expert <laughs> on everything, he was brought in, and he was brought in to negotiate the settlement deal between that company Hill International and the Saudi government because the Saudis would not dare stiff the brother of the vice president who would be instrumental to the deal. That sentence came from affidavits and this was reported by the Daily Mail. James Biden had a prior business relationship with that company, a subsidiary actually, as executive vice president with a minority stake. Interesting now. Follow the money. Former U.S. Treasury official Thomas Sullivan, he was working to settle a deal as a private consultant. He twice stated in an affidavit issued to the court that James Biden was hired to negotiate with the Saudis because of his position and relationship with then-Vice President Joe Biden. That business negotiation ultimately ended in a $132 million settlement. Court documents show that. This is the real deal, folks. 
James Biden said he was often sent to meetings to represent Hill because, of course, the name didn't hurt. Court documents recount Sullivan's written statement about a sit-down interview with James Biden. I asked specifically if James Biden had attended a meeting with the Saudi Ministry of Trade in mid-February 2012 to receive the final payment for the work this company had performed. He answered that. To the best of his memory, he had been at that meeting and that the reason he had gone was because of his position and relationship with the big guy, his big brother. James began working on the settlement deal back in 2011 when this company asked him to work with its law firm, Lankford and Reed, on a settlement. The U.S. company allegedly asked James Biden to broker the deal with the Saudi government that was failing to pay the $140 million price tag. Now, according to Lankford and Reed, a partner's affidavit in May of 2022, partner Thomas Lankford confirmed the U.S. company used James Biden as a settlement intermediary in order to capitalize on the influence and orchestration of the settlement by then Vice President. So, due to the company's decision to go behind the back of their law firm to collect its money through James Biden instead, the lawyers, oh, lawyers, they can't stand to miss money, and in this case, they felt like they were getting shammed. They hired an investigator to question James Biden and his wife, Sarah, about the backdoor deal. That interview happened on July 16, 2017. During that interview, James Biden confessed that, quote, of course, James Biden, his name didn't hurt to get the deal done. Sarah allegedly said that Joe and James told each other everything. Sarah's statement contradicts Joe Biden's claims, as you remember, that he has never spoken to his son or his brother about the Biden family syndicate's deals. And of course, they don't call it Biden family syndicate. I do. So in 2020, the new CEO of that company, the son of the former CEO, he denied having any ties to James or or Joe. I have no ties to the Bidens. Jim Biden worked at a Hill subsidiary for a couple of years. That subsidiary didn't report to me. I was not in favor of investing in that company. Now, this is David Richter speaking to the New Jersey Globe. After several years of failure, it was shut down at my insistence, and I've never seen or heard from Jim Biden since. But guess what? It just happened to appear. A report that said in 2015 that David Richter, that CEO of Hill Corporation, you know, the son, it it came out. I'm missing something here. Hang on. Give me your, give me a little chance. I lost my train of thought, but in this thing, David Richter had previously said he had no relationship with James, but it came out 
in the Saudi deal that James did have a previous history with the company's subsidiary, Hillstone International. That subsidiary hired James Biden in 2010. I lost that spot, and I wanted to make sure that I got it right. This is nothing more, folks, than more documentation that the Biden family syndicate, even under a different name, was and is real, and that Joe Biden, because of who he is, not because of what he's done, but who he is, is in a perfect spot to give people and companies advantages. And that's been happening for more than a decade. That might just be the thing that explains why the Bidens, with Joe just making $170,000 a year as a senator, and back then that was all in. His salary wasn't that, but with all the expense stuff, it always worked to be about $150,000 to $170,000 a year. And then, of course, when he became vice president, the salary went up a bit. Nevertheless, in that part of the country, Delaware, Washington, D.C., Virginia, Connecticut, all around that area. I said Connecticut. I didn't mean Connecticut. Uh, West Virginia, Virginia, in those areas. Real estate is really expensive, really expensive. And the Bidens have, the number is argued, but it's either four or five residential and vacation properties that several of them are on the beach. How do you do that when you make $150,000, $160,000, $170,000 a year? And these are multi-million dollar homes. I'm just saying... If it quacks and waddles, it's a duck, period. Now, I told you at the top of the show, we had some really damning information about the CDC and the director there, Rochelle Zelensky. And I, I, I just, I just got to tell you, it, uh, it shocked me when I saw it. The CDC director speaking to the U.S. Senate actually came out and justified the CDC, which is where all of the information, the stuff that comes out that the medical community across the United States listens to and does what they're supposed to do, comes from the CDC. And I want you to listen to this hearing, what she had to say with the senator asking her questions about the mask mandates. In fact, the CDC is currently the only national or international public health agency that recommends masking two-year-old children. I'd like you to explain in detail the process and the timeline by which evidence such as this is used by the CDC to update, modify, or necessary withdraw current guidance. Great. Thank you for the opportunity to clarify on those points. So I believe you're referring to the Cochrane Review study. This is an important study, but the Cochrane Review only includes randomized clinical trials. And as you can imagine, many of the randomized clinical trials that were included in that were for other respiratory viruses, not COVID-19. Some of them were for COVID-19, just to be clear. But it is very different for COVID-19 because you have a pre a virus that a different from flu, potentially different from SARS or MERS, transmits before you actually have symptoms. So, it's also the case. 
case that the, one of the limitations in that study was clearly stated that um, people were not actually engaged in the intervention. So you actually have to wear the mask okay. for it to work. Okay. So there Dr. are Walensky? lots of studies now in Georgia. Dr. Walensky, why are we masking our kids today? You know, thank you. Also, so our guidance um, for school-based masking is related to our COVID-19 community levels. And fortunately, we're in a place now in this country where most of our country is in green or yellow, um, has uh, lower um, low or moderate transmission or COVID-19 community levels. And in those situations, we actually don't recommend masking. We recommend it for high COVID-19 community so, levels. So what is your timeline for updating, reevaluating these guide guidance? You know, our masking guidance doesn't really change um, with time. What it changes with is disease. So when there's a lot of disease in a community, we recommend that those communities and those schools mask. When there's less disease in the community, we recommend that those masks can come off. So, okay. So it's just going to continue... Listen, folks, the CDC themselves, you can go to their website and do a search and find them. We published the results of 23 different controlled laboratory tests. This is from several years ago when the COVID-19 insanity swept across the nation and the world. If you don't wear a mask, you're going to kill somebody and kill you too at the same time. Remember all that craziness we lived through? 23 different control studies and the results were published. We shared them on our website, truthnewsnet.org. You can go in the search bar, do that. You can actually read the reports. Of the 23, not one confirmed that any of us needed to wear a mask to try to protect us from COVID-19. Why is that? There wasn't a mask. There isn't a mask in circulation today that is 100% effective at stopping COVID-19. The COVID-19 particles are too small for a regular mask to stop them. In fact, there's only one that works all the time. That's one of the enclosed ones in which the wearer is actually breathing oxygen from a tank, either that they're carrying or they're strapped on their backs. And the other thing about this, look, I'm not a mama, but I am a dad. We had three kids, and our kids were born all pretty close together. Our oldest and the second are 18 months apart, and then two years between that one and our son. So we had a lot of babies a lot of young children, and I can tell you, none of the three of our kids would we have been able to put a mask on them and keep it on when they were two years old. It wasn't going to happen, and it's still not going to happen now. I mean, the only way you could do it, and this is cruel, and I don't mean it in reality, but you'd have to staple it to their faces to keep it on. And we're not going to do that. There's no way to make it work. So why is the number one bureaucratic health professional in our government, the director of the Centers of Disease Control, Rochelle Walensky, why is she doing this? Why is she doing this? There's no science to it. Why did Anthony Fauci march that out and preach that? And then he laughed about it. In public, huh. 
These masks don't work. It's just a way for us to see what the American people will do. He said that. You would think we're on the downside of all the COVID-19 pandemic stuff. You would think the pros out there, the ones that are supposed to be leaders of the American people in medicine, you would think that they would be right on and give us the scientific answers for everything. But they've weaponized it to use as political darts and arrows to use against the American people and to seize control of things in our lives. We live in a scary time now, folks. And the big reason it's a scary time is because we're getting bad information from the people that are specifically hired and empowered to give us the facts and let us, with the facts, determine what's best for us and our families. Yeah, it's understood that every once in a while the government has got to step in when major things happen that are too big for the American families and individuals and groups to handle. I get that. And when those things happen, I'm glad we have the government. I'm glad we fund the government to do those things and take care of those things. But this is not a case where they were mandatory. And yet they locked us down. They made us lose our jobs. Businesses fell apart. And they kept us scared to death for almost two years, never giving us the facts. I don't think I can ever forget that. I don't believe I can ever forgive that. Politicization in America, it's one of the most horrible things that's ever happened in my lifetime. And let me t- let me do this. We're going to play another break. On the other side of the break, I'm going to drop a bomb on you, a truth bomb on you about healthcare information and your information specifically. Do not miss this. That's up right after this break at TNN Live. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. Summer seems even brighter when you've been inside a while. It's time to drive again with Honda, KBB.com's 2020 Best Value Brand. You could get a great deal on the 2020 Passport or 2020 Pilot, with financing as low as 0.9% APR on select models. Visit the Honda Summer Clearance Event today. For well-qualified buyers, see dealer for financing details based on 2020 brand image shorts from Kelly Blue Book. Visit KBB.com for more information. New Dunkin' Refreshers. Vibrant fruit flavors like strawberry dragon fruit and peach passion fruit. B vitamins and energy from green tea. All under 200 calories. Order ahead via the Dunkin' app for contactless way to order, pay, and pick up in the drive-thru. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. The advanced surgeons at the Center for Innovative GYN Care look beyond quick fixes like birth control to help their patients find the best treatment options for complex GYN conditions. My name is Sakina, and I had the CIGC groundbreaking minimally invasive hysterectomy. I got back to my life in a week with only two small incisions and minimal scarring. Discover the CIGC difference with offices in Midtown Manhattan and Montclair, New Jersey. Telemedicine appointments are also available. Book a consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY. 
Hi, Tom Bodette. Motel 6's new improved website lets you book a room and save more for what you travel for faster than ever. Even faster than you can find your keys, which you swore were right on the little hooky thing by the garage door where they always are, and we can land a robot on a comet, but we can't keep keys from disappearing. Oh, here they are. Left them in my jacket. Don't you hate that? I'm Tom Bodette for the new improved Motel6.com, and we'll leave the light on for you. In a world of fake news, the truth will out. Truthnewsnet.org. Again, Dan Newman. Before I forget about it, we got a big audience this morning. The show will not be live tomorrow morning. It will be published. It'll be on our website a little later in the day tomorrow. And, of course, you can pick it up anytime at any one of the podcast sites. But it will not be live from 9 to 11 Central Time tomorrow. And I'll remind you of that between here and the end of the show today. Um, And the reason it's going to happen, it's a really big thing. And I will let you know later after the fact what's going on. But what we need to do right now is we need to think about those people in East Palestine, Ohio. Now, listen closely. Yeah, it's a little town. It's not a big town. And yeah, it's a long way from most of you. I don't know where you live, but if you live in a big town or small town, what's happening in East Palestine, and it's happening at the behest of your government, no, they're not responsible for the accident, the derailment that caused all this to happen, but horrible decisions were made in the aftermath of this wreck that happened on February 3rd. Now, let me just tell you this. A train derailment in the United States, it happens every day. In fact, nationwide, if you do the math of the reported derailments in a year, a little over three train derailments happen every day across the country. We only hear about the big bad ones. And the one that happened on the 3rd in East Palestine is really, really bad. How bad was it? And what's going on? Why didn't we even hear about it until a few days ago? I mean, we're talking about the 3rd to the 16th. That's almost two weeks. And I just heard about it over this past weekend. Last night, Tucker Carlson weighed in with some facts. Listen closely. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. East Palestine, Ohio sits directly on the border of Pennsylvania. It's just feet away. So anything significant that happens there in East Palestine, say a toxic mushroom cloud rising thousands of feet over the town, is certain to affect the state next door. And that's why three days after a train derailed there, spilling a great volume of dangerous chemicals onto the ground and into the water, Josh Shapiro, the governor of Pennsylvania, held a press conference about it. Shapiro announced that authorities had decided to set those chemicals on fire. And that was a very good thing. No one should be unduly alarmed. The burning of these chemicals, Shapiro said, had gone, quote, as planned. Officials on the scene, meanwhile, declared the burn, quote, perfect. Mike DeWine, the governor of Ohio, agreed with all of this. The people in charge, the railroad's engineers, and the state officials overseeing them had everything under control. So two days later, evacuation orders for residents were officially lifted, both in East Palestine and over the border in Pennsylvania. That was last week. In the subsequent days, a lot of people have wondered out loud, was it really a wise decision 
to light thousands of gallons of vinyl chloride on fire, releasing a World War I-era bioweapon into the air over a populated area. Was that a good call? And was it really safe two days later for people to go back to their homes? And if it was safe, how do we know that? Is anyone in charge actually monitoring with any accuracy the level of deadly chemicals in the air, ground, and water in and around East Palestine? Well, no, apparently nobody is. And that's highly upsetting when you think about it. Talk about a failure at all levels. The first duty of government is to protect its citizens. So it's bad. And it's very bad news for reckless politicians like Josh Shapiro and Mike DeWine, who may have helped make this disaster much worse. So tonight, both DeWine and Shapiro are desperately trying to revise their previous statements about the so-called controlled burn. Both have now decided that the toxic mushroom cloud over East Palestine, the one they signed off on and endorsed on television, was actually a bad thing. It didn't go as planned. It wasn't perfect. And both governors have now identified the villain here, not as themselves, no, of course not, but as the railroad, Norfolk Southern. Both are considering lawsuits against the company. In an act of amazingly brazen butt covering, Josh Shapiro even wrote a letter to the White House and the Transportation Department claiming that Norfolk Southern was, quote, unwilling to explore or articulate alternative courses of action to their proposed vent and burn. It was very obvious, he says, that there was probably a, quote, safer all overall approach for first responders, residents, and the environment. That was very obvious. He just never said anything about it. It's remarkable. And for the record, we are not defending Norfolk Southern here. We're only pointing out that Norfolk Southern had the strong endorsement of Josh Shapiro and Mike DeWine when it set those chemicals on fire and caused the mushroom cloud. And by the way, the Biden administration endorsed it too. According to Pete Buttigieg, Biden officials were on the scene. Yet somehow they never said a word about the mushroom cloud until pictures of it evoked outrage on social media. And of course they didn't. They didn't even notice. It had nothing to do with equity or climate change. East Palestine is a poor white town that voted for Trump. So honestly, who cares? No one in the Biden administration did care. And that's an atrocity. The people whose indifference made it possible should lose their jobs, beginning with Pete Buttigieg and extending to governors Josh Shapiro and Mike DeWine. They didn't care, and they got caught not caring. Even tonight, Mike DeWine clearly still doesn't care. Here he is insisting everything's fine. So if it were your family governor, you'd be okay sending everybody back home? Yeah, look, I mean, we, we indicated that. Uh, we're we're going to continue to test the air. We're going to continue to test the water. Uh, but what that is indicating is that it is, is very, very safe. Yes, we indicated that. Kind of a clinical response and a dishonest one because, of course, Mike DeWine is not living in East Palestine. And there's no chance of that ever. Animals in East Palestine are dying by the thousands. And you don't need to be a chemist to know that's not a good thing. The town has been poisoned. Residents worry about what's still in the air, soil, and water of their rural community. Don't tell me it's safe. Something's going on if the fish are floating in the creek. Ohio officials confirming some 3,500 fish died in local waters in the days after the derailment, but insist extensive testing shows there's no threat to other wildlife or humans. They say there's only anecdotal evidence of residents getting sick and no confirmed connection to the hazardous chemicals aboard the train. Oh, there's only anecdotal evidence. Also called observed reality. Maybe Tony Fauci will show up soon to lecture us about the science. 
Amanda Bashirs will probably not listen. She lives there 10 miles from East Palestine in Lima, Ohio. She says that even at Lima, rather, at that distance, burning chemicals smell like chlorine and hurt her eyes. And she also says her chickens, and this is not a good sign no matter what they say, are dying without ex explanation. So I walked up to the cage and this, this is what I found. Amanda Brashears was going to feed her five hens and rooster this morning when she discovered them all lifeless, practically in the same position with no signs of a predator entering their enclosure. I'm beyond upset and quite panicked because this, they may be just chickens, but they're family. Brashear says her chickens were alive and well yesterday. She believes the smell following the detonation of the train carrying chemicals that derailed in East Palestine is to blame for her bird's sudden death. My video camera footage shows my chickens were perfectly fine before they started this burn. And as soon as they started the burn, my chickens slowed down and they died. If you can do this to chickens in one night, imagine what it's going to do to us in 20 years. So as always, if you want to know what people really think, ignore what they say. Words are cheap and people lie. Watch what they do. Mike DeWine may say it's safe to be in East Palestine, but you'll notice he's not spending the night there. One woman who does live there noticed that federal officials, while assuring everybody everything was fine, were wearing hazmat suits. When you watch people that are investigating, they all have these giant hazmat suits on. Um, but somehow it's safe for people to go back to these homes. Um, they only evacuated a mile, a mile out-ish. Um, anybody outside of that, you're kind of on your own. If you want to leave, you can leave. If you want to drink bottled water, go for it, buy it if you want to, you know, but it's all on our own dime. And this is caused by, you know, a company who makes billions of dollars and, and we're forgotten about. So the people who live there obviously want some answers. It's totally safe, says the guy in the hazmat suit. So residents of East Palestine Center gathered for a town hall. The mayor has just told residents that he has not heard from anyone in the White House, didn't until yesterday when it started to become a political liability for them. The mayor also said he has no idea where Pete Buttigieg is tonight. No idea where the Secretary, U.S. Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, where he was, he hasn't showed up. But his minions have in those hazmat suits. I got to be honest with you, that, just that one fact, oh, everything's good. Both governors, governor of Ohio, governor of Pennsylvania, oh, everything's okay. We've tested the air. We've tested the water. Everything is okay. There's nothing wrong. Have you ever heard of vinyl chloride? exposure to vinyl chloride and they burned it so everybody that and everything that breathed was exposed to it. Exposure to vinyl chloride may increase a person's risk of developing cancer. Human and animal studies show higher rates of liver, lung, and several other types of cancer. Being exposed to vinyl chloride can affect a person's liver, kidney, Lungs, spleen, nervous system, and, and blood. <laughs> There's nothing wrong. Don't worry about it. You know, it's still around in the air, and I'm sure it's in the water, but only 3,400 fish died, and we don't know how many chickens. You know what else they found? Foxes. 
lying dead. But it's okay. <laughs> and the guy's telling everybody it's okay. War hazmat suits where they they had oxygen tanks on. They were breathing enclosed in one of those big, big, big hazmat suits. Listen, these are people that the people of Ohio and Pennsylvania elected to be their governors. And as you heard Tucker say, uh, governors didn't spend the night there. I wonder why he didn't spend (laughs) the night there. Oh, it's just nuts. I told you, I promised you, I had some health information that's going to scare the poo out of you. Um, There's a lot of that happening around. Let me ask you this. Have you gotten COVID-19 vaccinated? If you did, where'd you go? Think about it. That's important because let me tell you what very quietly has happened. Do you know what the CMS is? Centers for Medicare and uh, and Medicaid policies, management, whatever you want to call it. A lot of people think that there's a big building somewhere in Washington, D.C. that has Medicare on the side. It doesn't exist. CMS is the agency that the United States Congress, they contract with. It is actually, it's not, it's kind of a funny way that the ownership and operation is. Nevertheless, kind of like the Federal Reserve. But the CMS has ultimate say-so over over everything regarding any government health care operation. All of them. They make all the rules. So, if you're a Medicare patient, you may think when you call that toll-free number on the back of your Medicare card, you need to get an answer to a question that you're talking to somebody at Medicare. You're not. CMS contracts around the nation with big insurance companies that are specialists at processing and handling Medicare claims. And part of that process is to answer the phone. When you call Medicare toll-free, you're getting somebody in an insurance company. And that's not a bad thing because they're experts at answering most of your questions. But don't think for a second, don't think for a second that anything about your health care ever goes unknown to the government anymore. Let me explain. About 15 years ago, maybe 18, 15 to 20 years, sometime in there, the CMS decided, and it used to have another name, HCFA, H-C-F-A, HCFA. They decided that they need to analyze everything that happens to a human that needs medical treatment and give it a number. Give it a number. So, I mean... They went after it, and they got specific. I mean, there's a code for everything. There are hundreds of thousands of these codes in existence. And when you break your foot, there's an ICD-9 code for working on a patient that has a broken foot. But it doesn't stop there. It's not just a break. What bones were broken? There's a different code for all of those. If you're going to have surgery on your finger, on your left hand, and it's your index finger. There's a special code for doing surgery on not just a finger, but the index finger on your left hand. 
it's that, these codes, ICD-9 and now ICD-10, those codes are that specific. Very quietly, the CMS created a couple of other codes. One is for somebody being COVID-19 vaccinated. But there's another code for somebody who isn't vaccinated. Now, when you go to the doctor, listen closely. When you go to the doctor, anytime now you go to the doctor, you're going to be asked, did you get a COVID-19 vaccine or not? Are you vaccinated or not? Now, they can't force you to give you the answer. And by the way, if they're your regular doctor, they may already know that you have been vaccinated. But they will put in the system for CMS, in your file, whether or not you're vaccinated for COVID-19. Now, what does that mean? I'm not trying to scare you to death, but what I am saying is that information is now going to be available with a click of a mouse to find out who's vaccinated and who's not. There's a code for COVID vax and a code for no COVID vax. I had a good friend that I had coffee with this morning, and he's got some pretty long-standing, they're taken care of, but there are some medical issues there, and he's not COVID-vaxxed. So he met with a specialist to just check him over, check his blood over yesterday. And this doctor hammered him really hard. Are you vaccinated? Did you get a COVID-19 vaccine? Now, this was a specialist, not a regular doctor, not an immunologist, but it was a a specialist, somebody that you would see only if you had this specific problem that my friend has. And so what he did was he told the doctor he's not vaccinated, and immediately the doctor put that information in his file. So when he told me that story this morning, it went ding, 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 ding in my head. What that is, I knew They were contemplating doing it, but it is an operation already. If you're not vaccinated and you go to the doctor and they ask you about that, I would tell them, I'm keeping my vaccinating, COVID-19 vaccinated status. I'm keeping it private. That's all you say. Now, what does that mean? It means that that won't go into the system. They will not be able to put in there you are vaccinated or you are not vaccinated. What does that mean? All it means is that information will not be available to anybody unless you, as a patient, gives them, your doctor, that information. Now, of course, as I said, if your doctor is the place where you would go to get vaccinated, but remember, during the pandemic, they created these drive-in places. And so those people from those clinics They would send it in, but they wouldn't have the information to send it to your doctor unless you told who your doctor was. So they may not have it. Just keep it quiet. Keep it quiet. Just thought I'd pass that along. More news, more information going on as Congress, the House of Representatives, is digging in 
and they are taking on big tech on behalf of the American people. House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan subpoenaed five big tech CEOs yesterday for documents related to their company's censorship practices and to what extent, if any, those practices involved the U.S. government. The subpoenas seek information that could pertain to his committee's weaponization of the federal government panel's probes into alleged First Amendment violations by government agencies. And it's not alleged anymore. It's been verified in these hearings. It actually has been happening. Our government has used big tech to censor you and me. So the subpoenas went to Sundar Pichai of Alphabet, that's Google, Andy Jassy of Amazon, Mark Zuckerberg of Meta, which is Facebook's parent company, Satya Nadella of Microsoft, and Tim Cook of Apple. They demand that these CEOs produced by the 23rd of March, now they gave them a little over a month, any and all documents and communications between their companies and the executive branch of the U.S. government that relate to the company's moderation, deletion, suppression, restricting, or reduced circulation of content. Jim Jordan, he is a bulldog. I really like Jim Jordan. He's a Republican from Ohio. He's the chairman of this committee. He sent a bunch of requests to the various big tech bosses while he's serving as ranking member of the Judiciary Committee in December. That, remember, was before the election and before he became the director or the chairperson of this committee. And he doubled down on those previous ones to each of them in letters dated yesterday. Those letters obtained by a couple of different agencies sought the material now being subpoenaed immediately. They noted that although conversations between congressional staff and some people in these companies had occurred as a result of those previous letters, the company still had not made any steps towards compliance. He excluded Twitter CEO Elon Musk from the big tech targets, and I think we all know why, pointing in the cover letters to the now public Twitter files revealing interactions between Twitter and the government, and the benchmark Twitter had thereby set for how transparent big tech companies can be about interactions with government or censorship. Numerous internal documents from Twitter show the weaponization of the federal government's power to censor speech online. It's necessary for Congress to gauge the extent to which that occurred at the other big tech companies. Let me tell you, I've talked to a couple of these members of Congress Republicans that are on these committees. Jim Jordan from right here in Northwest Louisiana, he's the number three person in the Republican Party in power in the House of Representatives. They're committed to this. They're going to be like bulldogs. They are not going to let this just kind of float away and get lost in all of the other stuff that's going on out there. This information is critical. We know now that these private companies have been hired. We know that Twitter all by itself, 
Twitter was wrapped up to the T in providing information to parts of the Biden administration and also during the Trump administration and giving information to the government and then answering requests by the government to censor against the First Amendment, censor the content that Americans were putting on and sharing on these websites. Lots of things that needed to be brought to the public's attention were blocked. One of the biggest being Hunter Biden's laptop information that came out just days before the election. That's the big one. But how much else is there? We don't know. We don't have any idea. What else is going on today? My gosh, we haven't had Corrine Jean-Pierre. Haven't had her on the show lately. And the reason we haven't is, you know, we have access to all the sound bikes that come out of these press briefings. She hadn't said much that means anything. So that's why you haven't heard her here. But yesterday, she claimed that President Biden is the best communicator in the White House. (laughs) And when she said it, the press room just erupted in laughter. After being questioned by a reporter about whether Biden is viewed by his team as equally adept in all settings in terms of communications, she insisted the president's communication skills are the best in our administration. Many on Twitter balked at her saying that. I think you know why. Biden has a long history of just being lampooned for his word flub, sometimes incomprehensible speech when he's at public events. Anytime he gets off the teleprompter, folks, he's bound to start just pushing out this gibberish. Some also noted others in his administration, like the press secretary herself, Vice President Harris, are infamous for their own verbal gaffes. I promise you, at some point, some of these uh, nighttime shows and even weekend shows, comedy shows like Saturday Night Live, they're going to put together a whole potpourri of the gibberish that's coming out of the mouth of these people that we're talking about. And it, when it happens, it's going to be unbelievably hilarious. Dear America podcast host Graham Allen, I don't know if you're familiar with it, tweeted a series of scared emojis representing America reacting to Jean-Pierre's claim the president is the best communicator we have in the White House. Red State contributor Jeff Charles tweeted this. That explains a lot. Tony Laren, Tommy Laren from Fox News tweeted, Welp, this is true, we're screwed. D.C. Examiner columnist T. Beckett Adams tweeted, compared to Buttigieg, Kamala, an actual White House spokesman herself, this is a true statement. Biden actually is the best communicator that the White House has to offer. Oh, my God. Kamala Harris's her tenure as vice president has been marked by redundant word silence to the point that even left-leaning The Daily Show tweeted a video comparing her statements to the fake politician from the Veep political satire series. Senior digital strategist over at X Strategies, Greg Price, he responded with a video of a famous incident where Biden gave a public address and said, this is a quote, 
America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. Do you remember that? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Special advisor for communications for Senator Ted Cruz, Steve Guest, tweeted, the guy can't utter coherent sentences on a regular basis, but at least he hasn't called Canada, Canadia, which is what <laughs> Corrine Jean-Pierre called it one day. Canadia, Canadia, I can't even pronounce it the way that they did. Oh my gosh. And it just goes on and on and on. And then there's Uncle Joe himself. In his speech the other day, he claimed that food prices are coming down. This is after the weekly or the monthly inflation report showed that prices at the grocery store actually increased in January. He got off the teleprompter. That's all that's about. He was in, uh, where was he? The National Association of Counties. That's right on Tuesday. He gave a keynote address. And during the address, he here's what he said. To, today's report on inflation shows the good is that inflation in America is continuing to come down. Food prices at the grocery stores are coming down. And we know... That ain't true, but you got to remember, he didn't go to the grocery store. I wonder how many years it has been since Joe Biden went to the grocery store. You think he has? I don't know. I really don't know, but I doubt it. Um, previous presidents, you, you remember every once in a while, Donald Trump would just show up somewhere shock everybody and would talk to people, hospitals even. Remember, he went overseas a couple of times in the middle of the night and uh, even at holidays to thank our fighters overseas, our military members over there for their service. (laughs) I can't see Joe Biden being allowed out (laughs) to integrate with the public in situations and settings like that. I don't know. Well, we got some more. I, t- I promised you at the top of the show the things we were going to talk about. We're going to have to get busy. We've only got about 40 minutes left. What are we going to do next? What are we going to do next? I'm going to keep it quiet and keep it secret. We got a big one for you right after this. So there he goes again. Or to be specific, there he goes again, again. President Joe Biden on the campaign trail, blasting off with blarney and misinformation. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Mr. Biden is incapable of telling the truth about the economy or his policies or for that matter, anybody else's policies. So here's Mr. Biden in Maryland with some of today's Blarney. Take a listen and weep. Some of our Republican friends in the House are talking about taking the economy hostage over the full faith and credit of the United States. Now I made it clear in the State of the Union, I will not negotiate whether or not we pay our debt. I will not allow this nation to fall. I mean, really, Speaker Kevin McCarthy and the Republican House have no intention of defaulting on the federal debt. They've said it time and again. And it's incredibly irresponsible for Biden to say he refuses to negotiate. That makes him responsible for some kind of debt default in the worst case. He's in denial, by the way, that the House has gone Republican and the House has the power of the purse. 
And as always, the case down through the years, debt ceiling negotiations are the surest way to generate budget savings and actually reduce deficits in debt. Notably, the most recent case with former Speaker John Boehner and former President Barack Obama back in 2011. They negotiated. They saved over a trillion dollars in the next two years. And that's more or less what the House Republicans want to do today. But if Mr. Biden wants to stay home in his Delaware basement, reading his illegal classified documents and not talk to anybody, well, then he's the guy to blame. And then, of course, he goes into this 10 Pinocchio untruth riff he has about the GOP and their so-called $3 trillion debt plan. So pull out your handkerchiefs, take a listen, and weep some more. Look, folks, let's be crystal clear about what's happening. If you add up the proposals of Republican friends, my Republican friends have offered just so far what they've offered. They've offered these now. It would add more than $3 trillion to the debt over 10 years. Now, this is pure Pinocchio blarney. First up, his 87,000 new IRS agents chasing after the tips of waitresses, cab drivers and doormen will not generate any significant revenues. This has been tried before and has always failed. And of course, it's middle and lower class working folks who pay the burden because the well-to-do have tax lawyers to protect them. Then he's got some more blarney about lower prescription drug costs, which will never pan out as price controls never do. But most of Biden's misinformation is about making the Trump tax cuts permanent. He thinks it's a $2.7 trillion loss. But as we've shown over and over, and the Congressional Budget Office itself shows, there was a massive revenue increase in the first two years of the Trump tax cuts, with revenues actually rising by $250 billion. In other words, the taxpayers made money and the budget deficit came down. By the way, the biggest beneficiaries, contra Biden, were middle-income blue-collar folks and minorities who got the biggest gain in real wages. This has been proven over and over. But Biden keeps spreading the same old nonsense. Now, finally, the CBO just came out today with their new baseline budget projections for the next 10 years. After all of the Biden Democrats' new spending, okay, the total deficit over the next 10 years is estimated by CBO at $20 trillion higher. That's right, $20 trillion. Total budget outlay is estimated to rise by $80 trillion. That's right, $80 trillion. Those are CBO numbers. And if you track the yearly deficits from Bidenomics, you go from $1.6 trillion, then up to $1.9 trillion by 28 then up to $2.9 trillion by 2033. That's the CBO numbers. There is no deficit reduction. There is no debt reduction. There is no spending restraint. Meanwhile, there's no prosperity either. Well, all this spending and taxing and regulating, economic growth is estimated at a measly 1.8% per year. That is not prosperity. 3.5% per year is closer to decent growth and decent opportunities, and we had that for over 50 years. But we haven't had it for the last two decades, and this would be a third decade of economic underperformance. Of course, there's no prosperity. The size of the federal government goes to an historically high 25% of GDP. Now, for the last half century, it's averaged only 20%. 
This is Bidenomics. Spend it, tax it, regulate it. And the CBO thinks inflation is going to stay down around 2% in the next 10 years. And I would suggest to them, think again with this kind of spending and borrowing. You know, Mr. Biden, you should really get serious. You ought to face the music. You should do your job and negotiate with the other branch of government. And I'll just say here at the end, save America, stop the crazy spending, borrowing, regulating, and inflating. Or, frankly, better yet, get a new president. There, I've said it. <laughs> Larry Kudlow, he's been around a long time. And in economics, folks, government economics, he's right on all the time. He's got an unblemished track record at giving us good financial information and factual stuff. Listen, it boils down to this, and we're going to move on, but it boils down to this. The government taking control of more and more stuff doesn't mean anything's going to get better. I asked somebody a long time ago in Congress, I forget which, I think it was a U.S. senator, but I remember, I can't remember which one. I asked them, tell me one thing that the government does better than if it's done in the private sector. When I say better, operations, implementation, and the expense of it. Can you think of anything that it does better? The only good response I got from that question was this, the military. The military, private sector couldn't do that. It's not big enough. There's no company big enough. And the military, it's worldwide, so that has to be done by the government. But think about it. If you were going to privatize the United States military from top to bottom, every branch of the service, even the ancillary departments that don't have titles that we would even recognize, but anything to do with the military. Think about it. The private sector, it's driven, and of course, if we're talking about the military, it would be driven by a bunch of different things, but primarily make money. That's what we do in the private sector. And so that means you've got to do what's best for the marketplace that you can. What's the marketplace? Providing military services to keep the United States safe from foreign foes. That's the underwriting deal that you got to do. So if you did that privately, you would implement on the entire military being the best in the world at everything to do with military. And, of course, that costs money. So the American people would be paying part of their tax responsibility to the federal government is going to go to make it the best as possible. But the government doesn't do that well in anything. I don't care what it is. I I would love it. If you've got an example, if you honestly feel that there's something that is in our everyday lives that the federal government can do that we can't do better in the private sector, now would it create a lot of chaos? Absolutely. But I guarantee you what our entire military does on a weekly or let's just be reasonable. We could only look at it on an annual basis. But if you broke it down, 
and had somebody out there, somebody like, and I'm just going to throw a name out there, Elon Musk, that is a genius, an operational success is what he does better than anybody I know on a big level. He wouldn't be able to do everything. Now, when I was in the car business years ago in management, I would tell all of our new salesmen that came in, I would tell them, look, you remember when every car model came out every year, that particular dealership would have these big binders with all kinds of information. Here's what you can get on this car line and what it does. And it would break down motors. uh, If it's a truck, the kind of bed the truck had, and was it a dually or a single axle? Was it a four by four? All those kind of things. And those were in those books. And I was at a Ford Lincoln Mercury dealership. And then my second spot was Ford Lincoln Mercury and Toyota. So you can imagine the volume of books that we had there. And our salesmen, they sold everything. We didn't have somebody that just dealt with Ford or somebody that just dealt with Lincoln or somebody that just dealt with Mercury. We didn't have that. They sold everything. And I told them, guys, don't ever think that you are going to be able to know by heart everything that are going to be important to these people to come on this lot to buy from. You're not going to be able to do it. So like Elon Musk, he learned a long time ago. He doesn't know everything about creating cars, about creating rocket ships. Personally, he doesn't. So what does a good manager do? You go find the person that is the best possible person for this little sliver of building an electric car. And then for all the other stuff, the other parts, the other part of doing that, constructing, putting it together, getting it shipped to dealers, all those little things, you find the best person in the nation for doing each one of those things, and you bring them together. You manage them, but then you give them all the resources they need to handle that particular thing and make sure you have given them the things, all the infrastructure stuff, like tools, materials, all that kind of stuff. You understand what I'm saying. Get the best. Pull it all together. And then empower them to do what is necessary. Now, how did that apply to the car dealership? I told them, you're not going to be able to know everything, but don't try to tell a customer that you do. Ask them a question and then bring them over and open one of those books for that particular car. This is way before you could, you know, go to a computer and just pop it up. Now they can do that in the showroom. But open that book and show them exactly what, for instance, the interior colors of the interior can be with that exterior color on that particular car. It's all there. If you don't have the information, ask somebody and give them the facts before you do it. Just imagine if we had an Elon Musk and he bought the United States military and he was operating it, he would bring in the right admirals, the right generals, 
and not just being good people, but having the expertise in the various areas that are responsible for making this military be the best it could ever be, be cost-efficient for the American people, the ones that are writing the checks and paying the bills, and would be the best in the world, and everybody would know about it, and all of these little dictators out there that are sending these balloons up over the United States and having no responsibility, we're not going to make them responsible for any of that. We're going to let them surveil us. You have the right people in the right place doing the right things. And I'll finish this by telling you, we've had a president like that in your recent life. A guy that was a good businessman. The definition of a good businessman is not somebody that hits a home run on everything. What it is is having somebody that knows what I just told you about the private sector possibly doing and operating the military. They know how that process works and they've done it. And one person like that was Donald Trump. Was he successful in everything he did? Absolutely not. He's an entrepreneur. There are entrepreneurs all around you. Now, being a successful entrepreneur, which is somebody that starts something from nothing, gets an idea, and creates something from an idea, and it's effective and it works no matter what it is, some of those things don't work out but a majority of them do. And the U.S. military already exists, so it wouldn't require blowing it up and starting from nothing. It would be going in and tweaking everything to do with the military. Why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this is the principal difference between the policies and the ideals that are espoused to all of us by the left in government, Democrats and others further to the left from them, and trying to convince us all that the government can do anything and everything better than anybody else. And so what we need to do is just forget about all these things that are directly impacting our lives and just write checks to the U.S. government, send them to them, and they're going to do it all for us. That's not working. And this president and everybody in his administration, that's what they want to do. And I'm sorry, folks, it cannot happen. We cannot allow our government to seize more power from us. We are the people. We the people. That's us. We're the ones in charge. And all the people, those ones we need to find and put them in the right slots that I told you about to make it successful, the government's not going to do that. I mean, look at his cabinet. Look at Biden's cabinet. Just talk about two. Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas. He is a disaster. He personally has lorded over the entirety of of throwing the gates open and shutting down all enforcement at our southern border to keep 
illegals from flooding in. We have no idea who he has let come in to the nation and what the results are going to be. And it's okay. According to him, the way he operates, yeah, we think that's the best thing for the nation. And what we're doing is we're bringing in immigrants. And we personally think, in fact, we know, we know that having all these illegals coming in here and us eventually finding a way to make them legal so they can vote, that's going to be the best thing for the nation. There's no other explanation that he could give us that would sound plausible. That's what his plans are. He's the Secretary of Homeland Security and then Secretary of Transportation. Mayor Pete, Pete Buttigieg. Look at what's happening today in East Palestine, Ohio. What if this was happening in your town or your city where the gov- it's right on the border between Ohio and Pennsylvania, and so both of those states' governors got together and they decided the best thing we could do when that train derailed on February 3rd is just burn all that vinyl chloride up and get rid of it. And that's what they did. Where was the Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg? He hadn't showed up in Ohio. He's made a couple of comments about it. And by the way, why the heck would anybody want him to go there? He has no experience in transportation things. Nothing. He was the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. Go back and do what we did and find out what kind of mayor he was. One of the nastiest things he got in trouble for with his people in South Bend were potholes. (laughs) He couldn't even get the potholes in South Bend fixed. And he's over the transportation issues across our nation. Come on now. The definition of a good leader is not somebody who knows everything. The definition of a good leader is somebody that knows and admits when they don't know something and then they find somebody that knows it and not only knows it, but it is an expert at doing it. If I was going to do a transportation secretary, I'd go find the best infrastructure, the road and air infrastructure person in the, the, the United States, and I would bring them in and put them in that spot. But what this president has done is he's brought in a bunch of people that he was politically obligated to or would be very obligated to him. Another example. If you're going to fill your board and you need people to fill those positions like uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services, just a thought, just an idea. Think about that title and what that title entails. Secretary of Health and human services. That's over medicine. That's over things like Medicare and Medicaid. So who would you get to do that? You'd go find the best healthcare management individual that knows both sides of it, is a doctor, knows medicine, knows all the regulations, knows everything about that side of it, but has a background at being good at managing people. You'd go get that person, right? You know who Biden got? He got a lawyer. 
a lawyer that has no health or medical training whatsoever, knows nothing about it, but yet that person is Biden's guy to be over everything to do with health and human services in the nation. Javier Becerra, he was the attorney general of California. Sound familiar? We have another former AG (laughs) from California who's vice president. I'm just saying, folks, what we're watching is the total denigration of the structure of all of the necessary infrastructure of this nation at the hands of a president that can't even tell you what shoes he has in his closet. And he has no idea what the day of the week is. is. And I'm not making fun of Joe Biden. Facts are facts. And what we've got to do is find those in everything to do with our lives and make sure we have the right people with the right expertise in everything that needs to get done. And then the big thing for management, when you empower somebody that is supposed to be good, knows all that's necessary to know about this particular process, you then hold them accountable for getting the job done. One thing I know for a fact, that ain't happening in the Biden administration. None of that. You get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. You can get the claim-free discount, which gives you money off your homeowner's policy if you've been claim-free for three consecutive years. Also applies for three successive years, three years straight, and what's known to insurance fans as the claim-free three-peat. Get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Now for the legal something. Not available in every state. Only available with select farmers branded policies subject to terms and conditions underwritten by Farmers Trucker Fire Insurance Exchanges or affiliate. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for. Only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals better. Here's a tweet from Ed Itchy in Idaho. Hey Culligan, my laundry is so scratchy, I just cut myself on a cable knit sweater. Any suggestions? Hashtag send help. Hey Ed Itchy in Idaho, yes, the Culligan high efficiency water softener will make that thing so soft, it'll go from cable knit to cable knot. Itchy. Hashtag soft laundry. Hashtag already on the way. Get started for as little as $10 a month for six months at participating Culligan dealers. If you think we're just four wheels in a grill, think again. The Jeep Grand Cherokee redefines freedom. But what really makes Jeep? It's finding the perfect balance between luxury and adventure without ever compromising. It's driving across the country to see your family, to make new memories. So, what makes Jeep? You do. Jeep. There's only one. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Truth, justice, the American way. The Truth News Network. Once again, here's Dan Newman. Just want to mention one more time, we 
mentioned this earlier in the show for all of you that are tuned in tomorrow's TNN live show will not be live. It will occur, but it'll be done live later in the day. So I don't want you to miss it because it's going to include some really important things. The show, you can get it. I guess the easiest way is to, um, to go to one of the podcast sites. If you use an iPhone, your iPhone came with an Apple podcast app. If you haven't done yet, just go to that app, open it up, and in the search bar, put in TNN Live. You can do that at any one of your favorite podcast sites, and TNN Live will pop up the homepage of it. Just bookmark that, and so anytime you miss a show or you want to listen to it later or whatever, for every day, every show here since we started TNN Live is available there. If you want to do it without paying for anything, some of those podcast sites you have to subscribe to. You can get every one of these shows after the fact live at truthnewsnet.org. And after every show, like today at the end of the show, we will post an audio of this podcast Right there, there'll be a special page. At the top of the page, it'll say TNN Live with today's date, February 16th, 2023. And just scroll down. There'll be a link about a quarter of the way down on the page. You click on the link and you can listen to it the same way. I don't want you to miss anything. I really don't. I appreciate all of you who do tune in live. That's how we make this thing work. And I thank you for that. Don't ever think that we take you for granted. We never have. We never will. If it wasn't for you, we would not be doing this. Well, 1048, we have 12 minutes. I was going to talk to you about two different things. You know, we did a little piece earlier in the show about fraud with um, little brother James, James Biden. He has been involved in all kinds of things for a long, long time. And um, I wanted to get into a little more of that, but we don't have time to do it. We'll probably get into this a little more tomorrow. It's important, and it's not that it is not important and that I don't want to bring it to you. I really do. But let's go out of here by uh, talking about it. It's our top story on today's truthnewsnet.org, titled Quid Pro Quo, Everything in U.S. Government is for Sale. And specifically in this, some stuff came out. Senator Chuck Grassley, he's the oldest senator in Congress. He's a Republican from Iowa. He is the top Republican on the Senate Judiciary Committee. He is, and a couple of days ago, he sent requests to the Department of Defense Office of Inspector General requesting that they reopen an investigation claiming that one former Department of Defense official named Sally Donnelly failed to disclose a potential conflict of interest to the Inspector General when it was investigating allegations of ethical misconduct about a contract that involved billions of our taxpayer dollars. Well, that DOD inspector general 
which is different now, published a final report on April 13th in 2020 that said we determined that Ms. Donnelly did not violate any ethical agreements and obligations regarding the Office of Governmental Ethics Financial Disclosures, did not get or give preferential treatment to Amazon officials or restrict access to Secretary Mattis at the time for other industry leaders. But Senator Grassley says now Donnelly did not disclose to the Inspector General exactly who bought her consulting firm. Just before starting her employment at the Department of Defense, which he argues that was relevant information to the Inspector General's investigation and could have affected its findings and probably did. Well, guess what? There's new evidence. Just before entering the DOD in 2017, Ms. Donnelly sold that firm SBD Advisors, according to her publicly available financial disclosure forms. However, she never revealed who purchased her company. She was supposed to, but she didn't. According to Grassley, she never told the Inspector General who bought it. So after pressing the Inspector General for the purchase and sale agreement for Donnelly's company, Senator Grassley found that the DOD Inspector General didn't have a contract. He only had a copy with the identity of the purchaser's name, but it was redacted. In other words, you couldn't find out who it was. And the Inspector General had argued to him that the identity of the purchaser was not relevant to their investigation. Senator said he finally got an unredacted copy of the purchase agreement on October last year, long after the Inspector General ended, ended its investigation, and the copy he got showed that an entity named VMAP Investor LLC had bought her firm, the AP and VMAP, or the initials of its part owner, Andre Pinar. Grassley said this would indeed have been relevant to the Inspector General's investigation. Pinar is not only the CEO and founder of C5 Capital, one of Donnelly's clients, but at the time he happened to be dating and later married the Amazon Web Services executive who was in charge of the company's bid for a very lucrative defense contract. Her name, Teresa Carlson. While Donnelly served at the Department of Defense, VMAP would make several payments, you know, little payments of uh, $390,000 to her for purchasing her company right before she went to work for the government. Knowledge of the entity that bought her firm is relevant and central to the question of whether a conflict of interest existed and could have substantively affected the protocols required to wall off Sally Donnelly from potential and actual conflicts of interest while she worked for the Department of Defense. Senator Grassley said, based on information collected for this investigation, the Inspector General's conclusion concerning Donnelly's lack of financial connection to C5 appears to be inaccurate. 
Indeed, two senior C5 officials, including the founder of C5 Capital, were involved in the purchase of her company, connections that existed while she, Donnelly, was at the Department of Defense and received payments from the sale of her company. Grassley also asked and said the purchase agreement obtained showed that Pinar had previously made capital contributions to her company, SBD Advisors, and had a significant financial interest in the firm, including owning 20%. Three years after Pinar signed on behalf of VMAP for the purchase of her company, he changed its name to C5 Holdings USA, which is related to C5 Holdings, the parent company of C5 Capital and other related entities founded by Pinar that were connected to Amazon. The other person involved in creating VMAP was a guy named Vincent Mai, the chairman and CEO of a private equity firm named Cranmere, but also an individual owner of C5 Holdings in Luxembourg. Listen, this is getting deep, but this is the kind of crap that is done in our government to make a long story short. Donnelly connected all these people and entities together. Not only did she sell her company to this guy, and the reason she sold it was to him, the reason he did was because there was a big deal pending for a defense contract. She was in the Department of Defense, and it was going to be a big defense contract. And guess with who? Amazon. And Amazon got the contract. There's a whole lot more to it, but I'll just leave it with you one thing, one little piece of information. The contract, $9 billion. And little Sally Doddenley, she worked with a bunch of people that are in the government, not in the government, weren't in the government with her. She got her company sold for big bucks, and she got Bezos and Amazon this big defense contract. That's a lot of billions of dollars, folks. (laughs) But that kind of stuff happens every day. I got to leave it right there. Guys, enjoy the day. Thanks for being here. Don't forget the show will not be live tomorrow, but will be up later. You'll be able to get it. Don't worry about missing it. So have a great Thursday and a really good Friday. Don't forget this weekend. What do we do every Saturday? Our bullet points. You can get back and catch up on everything you may have missed this week. Well, let's leave on a happy note. Now, this is kind of a dancing thing, don't you think? It's called I'm Yours. Do you know what, what you mean to me? The world was turning upside down. Uh-huh. I would have been so lost without you. You are all that perfect love should be. You came and saved me from myself. Uh-huh. There's never been one reason to doubt you. This is bigger than an ocean. ocean. Really give you my devotion. Uh-huh. They never thought I'd find someone who loves the way you do. Uh-huh. So much I want to tell. Uh-huh. I surrender
I'm your 